everyone. This is Chad. I'm the founder and CEO of Mission.org and the host of Mission Daily, the number one podcast for accelerated learning. Mission Daily was recently selected as best of 2018 by Apple for a reason. In every single episode, you're going to learn actionable strategies that you can apply to your life to become healthier, wealthier, and wiser. Welcome to Mission Daily. And we have a special episode of the Mission Daily today because we're going to do an episode of the story after show as an episode of the Mission Daily. So what does that mean for you? It means that you're gonna to get to hear some of the biggest lessons learned from two of our stories that we just told in our season for January, which was transformations. That was the theme of the season. And if you're not familiar with the story, it tells the unknown backstories of people who changed the world. So stay tuned and prepare for the after show on Mission Daily. Welcome everyone to another after show of the story. I'm Chad Grills. I'm joined by Stephanie Postles. And today we're talking about two cliched or priceless stories. You be the judge. Yep. We're highlighting Anne Sullivan and Gandhi. So we just highlighted them in the most recent season of the story. Yes. And man, they had some crazy lives and stories and things they did that are still impacting today's world. Powerful lessons and reminders for everyone listening. It doesn't matter what you're trying to do, whether you're trying to spark a mass movement based on peace. Hopefully it's based on peace. I'm just kidding. Of course it is. And if you're trying to teach somebody or if you're trying to have your what you've learned transmitted throughout the world, taught by other people and empower people to s escape the the fate of their own genetics in the case of Ann Sullivan and really empower those who don't have what you might have. It's a really inspiring story. Yep. Love it. So the big idea that I took away for Ann Sullivan, I mean, first it was sad that I forgot her name. Like, I think I probably learned about her when I was younger, you know, elementary school, middle school, something, but it was so refreshing to come back and revisit it and revisit her story and Helen Keller's story and just kind of like go down that wormhole that I had completely forgotten about. Yeah. And Am I alone for forgetting about her? <laughs> no, I, when I've refound her story, I had kind of like temporarily forgot about her. Everybody's inclined to remember Helen Keller, yep. but they're way less prone to remember the kind of like founder of that proverbial feast of empowerment for those with disabilities. And in Anne's case, that's what she was. And she didn't just have a few disabilities or challenges herself. I mean, she was completely thrown away by society. Helen Keller basically was a stark contrast to that. So Helen was brought up in a home that was wealthy, that had the resources to hire someone like Anne to help her. That was a complete rarity and a complete fluke for that time period. The reality for most people who were disabled or whatever, however you want to define that, or had just differences from us, they had horrible lives. And Anne's story is a powerful reminder that people can be very mean to other people. And so she was locked in a cell in a basement because she couldn't- In a mental institution. In a mental institution. Yeah. And those are the sanatoriums of old. And I mean, people did horrendous things to our brothers and our sisters over the last, you know, our history. And it's absolutely despicable but it's important that we don't shy away from these truths. It's really important that we don't turn them into propaganda where we're just pointlessly celebrating them and where we don't recognize all the suffering that went into to finding this. And you know, the teaching, teaching is never from a place of 
painless joy, basically. It's always hard-won lessons that are the result of enduring a ton of suffering and trauma, typically. And while it's not, you know, we don't advocate that you suffer needlessly, the best teachers typically come from those who have suffered. Yeah. So maybe it would be helpful for you to give a very quick snippet of who Ann Sullivan is, just in case someone didn't listen to the episode or, you know, coming into this new, how would you quickly describe Ann Sullivan? Yeah, she basically figured out a good method to teach Helen Keller how to read and write and communicate. And Helen was both deaf and blind. And this was uh, revolutionary for the time. And she stuck it out and eventually married someone from Harvard. But I, she was you know, grew up with absolutely nothing. No family. Was abused, her parents yep, and... left her. One, I think her mom died. Her dad left her. Her and her brother got sent to the mental institution, which kind of acted as the childcare at the time. And then her brother passed away, right? Yeah. And I, so she I was left by herself in the mental institution and left yeah. to rot in the bottom cell in a basement. And if it wasn't for the love and kindness of a single nurse there who decided that she could learn, it was game over. And not just game over in a, a definition where it's like, oh, life isn't going to be so great from here on out. It's you're never going to leave that basement. So you talk about horrendous fates to escape. She escaped it. And one person saw a little bit more in herself than she saw or that she knew how to access. And that nurse simply said, hey, shape up. You can do this. You can get out of here. And I love the story of the nurse and her name has been basically lost to history. Maybe it's apocryphal. I don't think so though. I think that I'm definitely inclined to believe that no one can escape a type of madhouse like that without the help of uh, many, you know, many people. Yeah, I definitely get choked up just thinking about how horrendous that it was, but she did it. And she did it by learning to read, to write, to speak. And those are things and skills that will never go out of style. If you want to transform the world, be a teacher of those things, be a master of those things, always be a student of those things. And Anne's story really drove that home for me. Yep. So that sounds like your big takeaway. Mine, yeah, well, or yours. I was thinking, I love how Anne didn't stay confined to like inside the box of how things should be taught or should be done. So there was a history of how people taught either blind or deaf people in the past that I'm sure she was told like, you need to stick with this type of plan and it'll work. And I love that she saw that it wasn't working for Helen when she was teaching her and just shifted completely to like, let me just teach what I think makes sense. Mm -hmm. Let me teach something that, you know, highlights the real world or highlights her interests or something like that and created a whole new method. So the whole outside the box thinking and not always thinking like, this is the system and this is what I should follow. Her intuition was the best guide. Yep. Yeah. So you don't always have to be maybe an expert in, in something. If you think something might work, try it. And she saw that it did. So I Definitely. love that. And I think that maybe part of the inspiration for that was the fact that she lived through and lived at an institution that was created by the so-called experts of the time. And the so-called experts have a lot of ways for doing things, but just like in Anne's case, a lot of the things that they do have horrendous trade-offs. Trade -offs, so. Yeah, and she saw that it didn't work. So good experience. All right, so mm. the next person that we highlighted is Gandhi. Yeah, so the, the famous Indian, I guess, leader. Like leader is the best way to sum up Gandhi's work and his message. And Gandhi's story, again, brings it back to the the stone cold truth of our world that our world revolves around economics and economics and incentives and the allocation of capital is what drives everything 
And Gandhi noticed that how the British were limiting the consumption of salt and the salt tax was determining everything else in Indian life, basically. And by protesting and by starting at that one place and starting with a, a peaceful march to the sea to pick up the salt and begin to harvest it, which was an illegal act, was it changed everything for his movement, for the course of his life. And it's really, really tempting to think that we always need resources. We need this, or we need to do that, or we need this credential. When in reality, we need to demonstrate our belief in a cause, you know, like Gandhi did by walking, by walking to the sea and literally walking into the heart of the economic system. And whether you're you know, flipping over the tables of the money changers or in Gandhi's case, picking up the salt and engaging in that illegal act, that is going to get attention. And attention seekers don't get re rewarded too often, but when they succeed, when they work, when their intentions are good, yep. boy, do they work. I'm and just about to they say, can, doing can, it for a good cause, absolutely, it'll yeah. pay off. And I love seeing how many people he's influenced over the years, whether it's Martin Luther King talking about you know his teachings and his nonviolent practices that really influenced him or the Dalai Lama. So many people attribute their philosophies and yeah, their methods of doing things in life to Gandhi and all the lessons that he provided, whether he knew he was providing them or not. He probably didn't know he was going to provide so many lessons. And with Gandhi's story too, it's really important to go back to economic injustice or some form of injustice. You could view it as something that's happening all the time, or I think this is a much healthier way to look at it, is that it's always a suboptimal system. Once these systems and processes are in place, once our local and then the larger global economic system is rolling, it's very easy to attribute blame and point fingers. It's much more difficult to find bottlenecks and find imbalances and find places where information, people, talent, or capital is not allocated in a good way, and then shift those, nudge those, or do what you can to move that economic opportunity to a place of higher yield. That's what it's all about. Whether you're in a career, whether you're a freelancer, doing your side hustle, starting a business, there are ways to more efficiently allocate capital. And if you can do that, maybe sometimes it's through a protest. Maybe it's through pointing it out and gathering a small movement around a local economic imbalance. That's where the action is. That's where you're going to be able to unite a movement because Economics is something that when we're talking about it in terms of economics, not many of us can relate to it. It's a bit foreign. But if we're talking about it in terms of more for you or more of what you earned or your rightful share, those are very interesting ways to look at it. Yep. And learning how to spot those opportunities, I think, is a craft that you can continue to perfect your whole life and seeing, did the opportunity that I spot actually pay off or did something happen that I thought would happen? Or maybe that wasn't an opportunity at all. So constantly learning how to either spot them or understand when you maybe spotted the wrong one and it actually wasn't an opportunity at all as a really good practice to even start moving into that direction. And the, la the last thing you said there is so, so important, which is you have to check yourself because yeah. you're going to be wrong more often than not. So this is a great test and great challenge to start writing these out and predict them to yourself. Even better, predict or talk about them with a spouse, a teammate, a coworker, whatever the case is, and work through these together because it's very easy to think that, oh, the system is rigged against me when in reality, the system might hold more 
easily accessible opportunity than you can currently imagine. And it's your job to, it's very easy to be the accuser and say that this is wrong, that's wrong. It's much, much more difficult to say, here's my hypothesis. It might be right, it might be wrong. And then to be objectively rigorous on yourself and your hypothesis, test it in the marketplace, see if it's real. If you think that there's this group of people that's, you know, in a local sense, colluding against you or stopping you from breaking into a, a new market, rather than hold on to that belief, go test it, go test it in the real world, go meet them, go talk with them, interact with them, do business with them, see what they're like in person. And this is a, a real challenge to everyone to, it's a 78 or $80 trillion global marketplace or whatever the case is, you're entitled to a piece of it if you interact with it in the right way. If you know the right words to say, if you know the right things to offer, the solutions, the products, or even if you can just go out and find the right products and solutions and present them to the right people at the right time, you can divert that massive flow of wealth into your business, your pursuit, your company. And in doing that, that's that's what it's all about. Gandhi took a very extreme approach to it because it was an extreme time. And you're the arbiter though. You get to decide how much of a uh, Gandhi-like approach you need to take or Maybe you want to go in the direction of Anne and just become a teacher. Maybe you want to do both. It's up to you. Love that. All right. So go spot those trends, opportunities, or future pupils in your life that you should mentor, help out, or who needs your help today that you can provide some assistance. So with that, we will see you guys on the next after show, highlighting the two. Who are the next two people? Do you know? Or should we keep it a secret? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) See you next time. See you next time. Mission Daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org. We own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning. Our clients include companies like Salesforce, they're a customer times five, Twilio, and Katera who work with us because we produce results. To learn more and get our case studies, check out mission.org slash studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty, and doubt, And if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.